You know, it's not easy as a single black woman growing a child, mm-hmm. um, especially when the father isn't always supportive. Fatherhood is more or has been conditioned in a way to be more about providing finances yeah, rather, rather than, than being there physically mm-hmm. and emotionally for the child. Black children wait up to four times longer. It's a huge amount. It is, yeah. Unless there's a black person in the system waiting, she's going to wait longer. She could be like 18 months before wow. somebody comes along. Hi guys, welcome to the Mo Chunk Show and welcome to another installment of Chit Chat with Mo, where we have controversial debates, honest conversation and so much more. Today's episode is actually going to be a podcast only episode. It's a special one for you guys. And I'm joined today by two special guests. On my right, we have Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Mo. So we have Jackie, who is a mother of an adopted child. How many children do you have adopted? I've adopted one. Okay. But I've also got a special guardianship for another. And then I have one of my own. Yeah. So I've I've got a sort of like a broad range. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So lovely meeting you, Jackie. Thank Thank you so much for joining us today. And then we have Sharifa, who is an adoptions expert. And she's going to talk to us about, you know, a bit more about the process. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Sharifa. Good to be here, Mo. Lovely to have you. Adoption is not something we really speak about a lot within the Black community. So hopefully this conversation is going to be enlightening. First of all, to Jackie, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and also your family? I'm yeah. 54. I teach okay. at a, a secondary school mm-hmm. in Purley. Okay. And a single parent of mm-hmm. three children. I've got one of my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I adopted through a fostering arrangement that okay. we had mm-hmm. and then i took on another one via a special guardianship yeah. there's a slight difference adoption is basically they're yours okay. so when you pass away they inherit your belongings with the guardianship it gives them a permanency whilst they're young people so it gives you all the legal rights with regards to the child up until they're 18 mm-hmm. after that they're more or less on their own. Do you like to tell us like how long you've been an adoptive mother and then what's been your experience so far? I was a single parent yeah. for many years and you know it's not easy as a single black woman growing a child mm-hmm. um, especially when the father isn't always supportive you know whilst you're raising your child. Mm-hmm. So going through adoption to me made sense because I wasn't about to just go and have more children and not be sure that your partner is going to be there for you. And it gave me a sense of security, really. You've got the help of the social worker there with you. Your social worker, you've got one attached to you. Then you have a social worker attached to the child, you know. And then you even had what's called an independent person, which was outside of social services, that was solely there for her to look at her welfare. So it really made me feel a lot more supported and a lot more comforting, really. Yeah, they do 
you say it takes a village to raise a child yes. and you know we've had several conversations on this channel about like gender inequality because something I'm, I'm personally quite passionate about you know i would love to have you know children one day by god's grace but i do not want to raise those children on my own mm-hmm. and i feel like sometimes fatherhood is more or has been conditioned in a way to be more about providing finances yeah, rather than, than being there physically mm-hmm. and emotionally for the child so i totally get what you're saying in regards to you're actually having a more or an improved experience with an adoptive child because of the supportive system you have and the community you have raising that child with you exactly um which is really really like beautiful to hear mm-hmm. was it difficult adopting a child as a single mother or was it a pretty straightforward process i have to say i was very very fortunate the social workers that i had were very very open and very supportive of me and i think because they saw how much I was in love with this child. That lady, she moved heaven and earth to make sure (laughs) we stayed together, Mm -hmm. you know. So I will be continually, you know, thankful to her for how she helped me. Would you say that that's the process for, you know, even single mothers or single fathers, you know? I would certainly say that in my experience of placing children as a social worker, I placed children with single people. And it was absolutely wonderful Mm -hmm. because they knew that they were coming to the process as a single adopter. They knew that they wanted a baby, for example. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, the process, is it more difficult? Well, I don't think it's more difficult, but I just, we need to be honest about some of the challenges you might have compared to somebody who comes in in a pair, you know, as a couple. Mm. So it's about exploring those things. It's about making sure they've got a good support network around them, a bit like what Jackie has said. But, you know, her life was revolutionized. She was actually a deputy head teacher mm-hmm. the one the last person i'm thinking of mm-hmm. and we placed a little girl she was just under two okay she did have to reduce some of her hours yeah. but she continued with teaching and she she's a brilliant yeah. mum oh, absolutely brilliant mum that's really really great to yeah. hear that's really really great how did it feel when your daughter became like a permanent member of your family oh wow that was a day i think you see the smile on my face even yeah. thinking about it now yeah. it was absolutely amazing we went to the court where they you get all the legal papers and I remember we double barreled her name because I Mm. wanted her still to recognize her culture her previous family but you know even as she grew up she actually changed the name by deed poll just to our name Mm. you know which which was really amazing she didn't even tell me she was doing it she just did it when she was 18 Mm -hmm. but it was such a special day and then we had a great big family party afterwards for her blessing and do you generally feel like there's a stigma around like single mothers adopting children like was there anything from like even maybe members of your family and friends like side-eyeing you a bit anybody like making comments you know i think my focus was generally just on the children and i'm not wasn't interested in what anyone else had to say Mm. i knew what my kids needed and they needed me to be there for them Mm -hmm. so as much as stigma yes i get it because you know you are looked at differently aren't you yeah the ideal in life is that you meet mr wonderful and you get married and you have children Mm -hmm. But this is life we're talking about. And life doesn't always work that I way. That way yeah. I mean, because I always remember watching my cousins, a lot of them getting married and having families. And I was there on yeah. my own. Mm-hmm. And then when I ended up pregnant and on my own, mm-hmm. you're like, oh my goodness, you know, my journey is not the same as everyone else's. Yeah. But I'm still there waiting. Is Mr. Wright going to come along? Is Mr. Wright going to come along? And then I just thought to myself, you know something? Life is what God gives you. And it's what you make out of that life. He gives you gifts and he gives you talents. So yes, he's given me this young boy who are now, you know, my son who I'm going to have to work with because I had to help him with his education, everything. Yeah. So if God has given you those gifts in order to help somebody, 
why are you keeping those gifts to yourself? Yeah. So to me, I was then able to bless another young person mm-hmm. with those same fighting skills as you know i feel very much like um those warriors in wakanda that's mm-hmm. me you know <laughs> looking after my kids i would look at my daughter now and i cannot regret one thing mm-hmm. you know of being there for her yeah. of all the challenges that we've come up against over time mm-hmm. i can't regret it at all she's so talented she's such a blessing mm-hmm. not just for me but for the whole family you know she's organized family sports day for us oh, in wow. the next yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. everyone's all getting themselves geared up for it she may not have been birthed for me biologically, but she was birthed from my heart. It's really beautiful to hear. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Lastly, I wanted to ask in your opinion, what do you feel like is the thing that holds black people back when it comes to adopting? It's not something we speak about a lot in our communities. Mm. And, you know, we'll probably go into it a little bit more with Sharifa, giving us a bit more of the stats mm. of like how sometimes black kids aren't picked in, yeah. in the foster system yeah. as much as their white counterparts. Yeah. What would you say is that thing that is the barrier or that thing that holds black people back from adopting you know, some of it i think is a cultural issue mm-hmm. i know back home the adoption is not so much talked about in our home countries what we tend to do is take children in mm. and then you raise them they don't put that label of adoption Wow, yeah. In the UK and in the Western countries, it's the ties that it has. It's because they think, oh, the authorities are... The legal aspect. Yes, it's okay, all that yeah. legal aspect. And then when you do go into adoption, remember, and, and I get it, you need to be scrutinised quite closely. And I think it's that sometimes that can put people off that um, they will delve into your history, into your background. And it's necessary because it's necessary. you don't want to just give children to just any exactly, person. Exactly, exactly. And if a child has come from a certain situation, you don't want to put them in another situation that's going to trigger them. If they've come from a, a place of neglect, you don't want to put them with somebody who's really, really quiet. And then they may feel that still they're being neglected. Mm. If they've come from a place of violence. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah, Wow. Yeah. You don't want to put a a child who's come from a place of violence with somebody who's got quite a fiery. Yeah. uh, Like disciplinarian. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You need to really know about your, the personalities of the child and of the adopter Mm -hmm. so that you can get a very good fit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I get the scrutiny. And I think as black people, we can be quite suspicious of authority. And I understand and why. And fearful, I think. Yeah. Because, you know. We get it. Yeah. We get it. But what we've got to look at here is the bigger picture. We're doing this for the children, for our community, because they, they will only better our community. Yes. You know, when I look at the things that my daughter is doing now, she's a betterment. <laughs> you yeah. know, she's enhancing our community. And we need to be able to take these children that are there right now, give them that permanency, give them that somebody who is going to be behind them, who's going to be able to push them, who's going to be able to navigate them through this black world. Yeah. You know, I feel so passionate about it because who else but us as the black community to raise our black children? Yeah. I'm sorry, but you've got these well-meaning people who say oh, are taking the black kids yeah but what experience have you got as being a black person mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know i talk to my um, nieces and nephews my kids all the time about my experiences of working what it's like how i have to hold myself how i have to carry myself the reasons why mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you look at all that's happened in our society so similar experiences and you're able to help them navigate have to those like 
you know, trials and tribulations yeah, that they all eventually school, face. Yeah. You know, and how to manage with teachers yeah. in within the school community, mm-hmm. you know, how you manage with jobs. Who else is gonna have the experience but us who've mm-hmm. already been through it? Yeah. So it's really, really important. And we, look after our own. And look after our yeah. own. Yeah. And I think Jackie's hit the nail on the head with the distrust. But I also wanted to add that sometimes as black people we will count ourselves out of situations. Mm. We also don't know, we might not know anyone who's formally adopted. So we think, okay, this isn't for me. This is not for my family. Yeah. Instead of going out and doing the work and doing the research, most people who come into adoption come into it because sometimes they're at the end of their infertility. So for example, they might not be able to, for whatever reason, continue with IVF or they're at a stage where they're just like, we want to be parents and we want to go down the adoption route, route, a different yeah. route. Mm-hmm. So I think knowledge is power. I think events like you can adopt hashtag black adopters is really powerful. I think Jackie's story, hearing from all the other um, adopters that we've heard from on this campaign are really, really helpful in terms of visibility that actually people that look like me can adopt. Speaking from someone who works within a local authority, we want black adopters. Yeah. And I don't know how many times we need to say that, but we want black adopters. We want Asian adopters. We want adopters that look like the children that are waiting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stats-wise, majority of our adopters are going to be white British. This is the UK. But having said that, we know that black children will wait longer for adoption and and I think that needs to sink in within the black community Mm, mm. that you've got babies that will wait longer because if there are no black people a white couple coming forward because they've not been able to have their own child is not going to pick that baby yeah that little black girl they're not you see what I mean Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's something we need to just make sure that we are aware of as a community thank you so 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 much definitely some good reasons there where we should start adopting a bit more and I wanted to ask you now Sharifa could you briefly describe to us what's the process of adopting a child an adoption process would begin with an interested person or a couple making inquiries they can do that online or they can make a simple phone call not committed but just inquiring the stage one process when they've decided that adoption is for us we've spoken to our family family we know that we are in a place right now where we're ready for this we want to go on this journey and I always use that phrase it is a journey right it doesn't happen overnight you're not going to want to adopt and then by two months time you'll have a baby in your house it's not going to happen like that okay so the first stage is adopter led it's stage one it's about eight weeks okay you will get homework so they might say draw us your family tree Let's have a look at who you want to use as your reference. You know, we need three referees, for example, character references. Mm -hmm. We want to visit your house. We want to see that you're, you know, you've got space for a child. Mm -hmm. And even with the space issue, it's also good to say that some local authorities are considering supporting families who need more space, but they want to adopt. So stage one is really about lots of information gathering and then providing that for the local authority. Mm -hmm. You know, they might ask to see your bank statements. If you are renting, they want to see your rent statement. If you've got a mortgage, they want to see your mortgage statement that you're not behind on your mortgage statement and about to lose your house. And actually then you were going to place a child with you more instability so we want to gather information during stage one stage one is eight weeks they'll give you reading because of covid a lot of training's been online but before it used to be you'd go to an information evening you'd meet other adopters so they try to connect you as well which is really really powerful i think with other people going through the same journey as you so you'd meet other people and they then stay connected past the adoption Mm -hmm. even when you've all got your children Mm -hmm. because we used to always say to people when people are going through naturally having children they sometimes stay connected with people from the antenatal groups and then their children grow up together and they're like oh yes we met when we were you know but children are adopted it's lovely for them to know other children are adopted Mm -hmm. then they don't feel like they've got two heads it's also a time for adopters whether single couples to decide is this really for us 
Okay. Is this what we want to do? Because it's a lifelong commitment, mm. as Jackie's evidenced with her daughter who's now an adult. Yeah. It's a lifelong commitment. Is this for us? Can we do it? Do we have the love, the time, the commitment to see this through? Wow. At the end of stage one, you will have passed. You'll have mm. gone through. Stage two is about four months. You will be assigned a social worker, as Jackie mentioned. So the child, you don't know the child at this stage, remember? They will have their social worker somewhere. You won't know them, but you will have your social worker. Your social worker's job was to gather all the information from your stage one and then come to your house, meet with you, sit on your sofa, eat your biscuit, drink your tea, ask you about your childhood. What was school like for you? Okay, what's your family like? Tell me about what it was like. So we, we're going to dig as, as Jackie said, we're going to dig to try wow. and build a picture. Very grueling process. It's, yeah. it's, but it's relaxed. Yeah. Because I'll say to adopters, nothing you can say to me is going to shock me. One. Two, I'm not looking for perfect people. What I'm looking for in the assessment is that you have the capability to care for a child. You have the love, mm. you have the time, you have the commitment. So I don't come with a script like, right, so they have to earn this much. They have to have seven right. bedrooms. Yeah. They must have a pool. They must have horses. <laughs> no. Mm -hmm. I've wow. placed children with people who are like, one's a postman, one's a dinner lady. They live in a council property. And I've placed children who were placed with people who were really, really wealthy. Adopters come from all walks of life, all yeah. backgrounds. As I said earlier, a single adopter, older adopters, people in their 50s. Adopters where one person was in a wheelchair and the other party was, was not. So yes, back to stage two. So yeah. stage two is four months. And at the end of stage two, your social worker should have written something called a prospective adopters report. Mm. They're shortened to PARS. P-A-R. It's like a dissertation, Mo. Yeah, wow. So I used to write those. They're around about 10, 15,000 words. You've got <gasps> everything in there. You've got their history. And if you're a couple, you interview the woman on her own for some of it. You interview the male on his own. Then you bring them together and you do group. So, you know, you're talking to them. How? What's your view on discipline? Mm. What do you think about faith? Do you have a faith? You know, um, I want to know, for example, are you going to be at home? Are you going to take time off, adoption leave? I want to know all of that. So that at the mm. end of those four months, I've got a report I can take to a panel with you, you both as prospective adopters and say, I think these will be great for a child or a sibling group. And I'm going to say that because very often we need people to know that we do have children who comes in threes and twos. Mm. We don't like splitting siblings unless there's a really significant reason to do so. Okay. So we want black adopters to come forward that can say, do you know what? We'd like to take three okay. or we'd like to take two. Yeah. The largest sibling group I've placed was three and they, were, they weren't triplets. They were three children with a couple who were like, we wanted to have three children yeah. and we don't want to do this three times. And they took on those three kids ranging from That's two beautiful. to six. Wow. Two girls, one boy. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, they're, they're doing great. Mm -hmm. So that's the end of stage two. At the end of stage two, you will go to a panel and you will be approved. Okay. Um, all going well as adopters. So mm -hmm. you almost have like a certificate. That's your passport now. Okay. For any social worker for a child, they'll look on a the system. They'll say, oh, I like the look of that couple. Okay. Let me see what they're about for my child. Because whilst your social worker is trying to profile you. Okay. Children's social workers are trying to profile children. So it's almost okay. like a meeting of two worlds. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, um, yes. And then we want a perfect match. We want a match. Mm -hmm. We want, for example, this couple and this, these children together or this couple and that child because they've got similar interests. He likes football. This three-year-old loves football. You know, let's see what we can, you know, do. Mm -hmm. So that's the end of stage two. Now, the next two stages are what we call matching, okay. where that takes place, where decision is made for you as a as prospective adopters and the child to be matched. Okay. 
once matching takes place, then then we have what we, I'm fast forwarding here. Yeah. We have what we call introductions. Mm-hmm. You get to meet the child. You get to see their current life. You know, are they with the foster carer? Let me see what they want for breakfast. Okay. So then you're going to try and replicate that when they come to your house. If yes. they like Weetabix, get Weetabix. If they like, I don't know, Coco Melon or whatever it is these days, Baby Shark, you might put Baby <laughs> Shark pictures up in your house. Yeah. So that when the child moves in at two, there's something familiar yes. there. Then the child moves in. There is no set time between the ending of stage two that your child will move in because you might take six months to decide which child that you want to be placed with. I had an adopter who went to panel in, I'd say, June. Yeah. Told me they were going on holiday to St. Lucia or somewhere. They went on holiday, came back in August. And I was like, there's a little boy and his social worker really, really wants to know about you two. Mm -hmm. That was August, I think. Can I say that little boy moved in in the October? Yeah. So that was a short process. They were a black couple and it was a black, the little black boy. Yeah. So that's just to show that actually when we do get black adopters in the system, mm-hmm. our children will be matched with them really quickly. Okay. The system doesn't work where we don't have enough of us in the system. Okay. You know, then the child waits longer. And what happens to children when they're waiting out longer? They're getting older. Yeah. And, and, and most people coming forward for adoption want babies or under threes. Right, right, right. Toddlers that they can raise as their own. Most people want younger. Based on your experience, Sharifa, can you name three or four misconceptions about the type of person that is eligible to adopt a child? There are some things that, you know, hold people within the black community back mm-hmm. based on, you know, some biases. I think misconceptions, some of them are actually prevalent in, in any community that comes forward for adoption because the same anxieties we're experiencing as black people, mm-hmm. I'd sit with, you know, white adopters and they'd be sitting there so nervous saying, Sharifa, we even clean behind the fridge and I'd be laughing thinking you know I'm not going to check behind your fridge right you know just to make them feel relaxed we're not looking for perfect people I'll repeat but in terms of misconceptions people think you have to be really wealthy you have to own your own home that's a misconception you don't have to own your own home you can be renting we want people though to think about where they're bringing a child into yeah so if you're living at your mum's and you're sofa surfing that's not the time for you to come forward to adopt yeah it doesn't show planning it's not suitable people think you need to be married we've already debunked that one Mm -hmm. you don't need to be married children need love time and commitment as a single person you can certainly evidence that another one i think people think that you have to come forward knowing everything okay the adoption journey is about learning it's a bit like with anything you're not going to know everything you're not going to know and understand children's trauma you're Mm. going to be given reading material you should read it right um you're going to be spoken to about loss you're going to be spoken to about contact when i say contact that's post-adoption you know in terms of children maintaining communication with their birth families which jackie has mentioned so adopters need to be open to learning basically so we don't expect you to come knowing everything Mm -hmm. we want you to be teachable willing to learn and unlearn things yeah you know a dbs check would be carried out and that would be done at stage one certain criminal offenses would not disbar you from Mm. becoming an adopter sometimes people think oh i'm too old now i'm like 59 or something or whatever you know they'll 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 write themselves off with adoption there is no upper age limit there is a lower age limit you need to be over the age of 21 okay i would say though if somebody was coming forward in their late 50s or even 60 they need to consider the type of child they would like because that social worker is also going to consider that child how will you raise a a, a baby Mm. if you're 62 for example so age is something that people shouldn't write themselves off but Mm -hmm think about the type of child that you want to raise and that quality of life that that child will have when we're placing children where there's already an existing child we will always say to adopters your birth child must be the oldest so you couldn't have a six-year-old and say you want to adopt a Mm ten-year-old you would need to have at least two years between them younger yeah just not to mess up the whole family 
dynamics, dynamics as it were yeah. yeah that makes a lot of sense and i also wanted to ask if anyone's listening and today is interested in adopting a child what would you say they need to do to get more information campaigns like you can adopt the black adopters campaign that we're on now is really really powerful it's a way of raising visibility within the community so people can access that but going online just type into google you can adopt mm-hmm. okay and there's lots of information on there just different stories as well of different people who've gone through that journey the other place i would say is adopt uk okay. um it's adopt uk adoption uk put that into google And it will have the stages it will talk you through. And this is not anything, you're not committed at this stage. You're making initial inquiries. And I would always say people should do their homework. And the internet is great. We've all got access to it on our phones, in our homes. People Mm -hmm. can ask those questions when they feel they've got enough information. They want to know more. Mm -hmm. They can contact their local authorities, which usually are now regionalized in terms of adoption agencies. Yeah. And just say, you know, we're interested in adoption. Can you tell us a bit more? What do we need to do? Yeah. You know, it's not scary. There are people like me there. Mm-hmm. It's not that scary. Yeah. And I will always say to people, adoption agencies want adopters from yeah. all walks of life. Mm-hmm. So our doors are open. We're not saying we don't want people. If someone isn't approved or someone isn't able to adopt, there's usually a very, very you know real reason why that's not for them right now yeah doesn't mean they can't but it's better to find out isn't it than write yourself off definitely which i think a lot of people do make that inquiry yeah lastly i wanted to ask you're here today to support the national you can adopt black adopters campaign and why would you say initiatives like this are so important black people need to see other black people doing things that they can do really simple example is even like serena williams playing tennis Mm. i didn't grow up seeing anybody black at wimbledon right and now it's just like commonplace she's there she's winning you know she's won quite a lot of titles black people need to see people like them doing something that they're interested in Mm -hmm. um the campaign is powerful because it's a route to parenthood and that people should consider Mm -hmm. and i think that they also need to know that black children are there and they're waiting longer and it's almost like meeting of the two so you want to to become parents children need parents for whatever reason they've not been able to stay with their birth families or they've been abused or they've been neglected these children are just waiting in foster care they're being looked after they're being loved they're being provided for but that's not their family yes yeah so and it's the family unit is very important isn't it very yeah, important for, it's crucial for, for children's progress. development yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, people need to yeah. think about that and then lastly for the both of you why is it important specifically for black people to adopt black children because you know we can say you know we want black people adopting but yeah. why is it specifically we want more black people to adopt black children we've got the experience we've suffered as a race yeah you know and we've had to learn how to navigate through this society yeah. accepting our blackness yeah. we are a lot more vocal now than we have ever yeah. before you know mm-hmm. uh, was it they say on the tv black lives matter mm-hmm. well our black children matter yeah you man. know and we are the only ones who are best placed in order to help them to navigate through this society through this world god gives us gifts not for us to hold it to ourselves mm. he gives us these gifts in order for us to benefit others if we don't do it who else is going to do it mm. i worked in the adoption field for over five years and I saw white people coming forward specifically they need to look like us that's their way of just saying we want white children and there's nothing wrong with that because actually when the black people then did we did have a few in those Mm -hmm. years came forward they also wanted black children Mm -hmm. the issue you've got is it's not caught up because as you said there are more black children wait up to four times longer a Mm -hmm. huge amount it is yeah so for example if I was working with a six-month-old white baby girl I would know that I'd find adopters for her like that 
because there'd be at least five couples pestering me with you know constant we're really interested we're really interested in her profile we really want her put out a little black five month old or six month old girl unless there's a black person in the system waiting she's going to wait longer she could be like 18 months before somebody comes along and you have to think about children's development when they're in their foster families it's very different to when they're within their adoptive family that that offers them that permanence yeah so why is it important because we need our children they need people that look like us to raise them love is not enough it's experience as you've touched on and also that empathy that is really really difficult to teach if you've not walked the walk that would be my answer yeah thank you guys so much for this conversation it's very enlightening for myself very insightful and i hope you guys listening at home as well found some insight into the adoptive process and hopefully this has encouraged some of you out there if you've been thinking about it and thinking about adoption you can adopt if you're interested in learning more about how to be an adoptive parent please visit www.youcanadopt.co.uk forward slash black adopters for more information Thank you, Jackie and Sharifa, for joining me today. And thank you so much to MMC um, for sponsoring today's episode as well. And that's all we really have for you guys today. Um, do make sure you like today's episode if you liked it. Share it with your friends. Comment on the things we spoke about and subscribe to this channel for more. Until next time, guys, peace and love. Peace and chunks.